Hi! Welcome to Tamiwa Oluwen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the Word. I'm going to be teaching this morning on something very, very amazing. Such a sweet word the, the Holy Spirit shared with me. And um, when I was sending out the topic, pretty much excited in my spirit. But one thing about excitement is that it must have a balance. There must be a strong foundation. No matter what uh, an architect draws for you in the plan of a building, don't get too excited until you're sure that the foundation is solid. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It's a long read this morning, but I want to plead with you that for every scripture I share with you this morning, pay attention to them, because every scripture was intentional for the essence of what I'm about to share with you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, from verse 1, and we're going down to 16. From verse 1, and we're going down to 16. It says, therefore, since we have this promise, you will better know the promise that you have. You better know what the Father has said concerning you. You have a whole bunch of Christians who don't know what is hanging over their heads. And they don't know what their destiny inscribes in accordance to God's word. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body. Let us purify ourselves from everything that does what? That contaminates the body. Anything that sets the body off course in the direction of God's promises for your life. He said you should separate yourself from them. Purify yourself from them. Because you will always be surrounded by things that contaminate the body. There are certain sicknesses you have that they tell you in the hospital that we don't expect to see you back if you take the right precautions. They'll literally tell you. I've dealt with a family member that had diabetics and there were certain things that I expected of them to do. So anytime you, there's, there's an attack for a diabetics, the next thing the doctor wants to ask you is that do you keep to your medications? Because if you keep to your medications, more than likely, you would limit the, 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 the appearances, you limit the uh, the numerous attacks that could come from an ailment that is already in the body. But sicknesses like malaria, not likely would a doctor tell you, I don't want to see you come back here for malaria or stomach pain or typhoid. Why? Because you live in the environment. Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? You live in the environment. That's why there is no permanent cure for malaria. You live in that environment. There is no permanent cure for stomach pain. Just in case you take what they call flagy or whatever it's called, you feel relieved of the stomach pain. But the moment that medication is done in your body, even you yourself will have preferred if you allowed the diarrhea to end by itself. It says, therefore, since we have those promises, therefore, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reference for God. Perfecting holiness 
out of reference for God. He says, make room for us in your hearts. If we have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have exploited no one. So what does that tell you? That, take me back to verse 2. Take me back to verse 2. What does that tell you? That no matter what you think of as being a Christian or being a believer, God's word will never wrong you. Are you following me this morning? God's word will never corrupt you. And God's word will not exploit you. So when you find somebody saying that they are being exploited in the house of God, then they don't understand the word that they have listened to and the words that they have received. It says, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. Verse 3. Verse 3. It says, I do not say this to condemn you. Just in case you fall in the bracket where you think they've wronged you in the church, the word of God has wronged you, the word of God has failed you. Can I announce to somebody this morning that the word of God does not fail? If the word is not coming to pass in your life, check where you're standing. I've preached it before in this house. If you are not manifesting what God has said concerning your life, check your duty post. It is very easy to be intimidated by somebody else's duty post. Just this last week, I saw a video of the thousands of people that were in front of United Kingdom Embassy in Lagos. Why? Because every Nigerian thinks, most Nigerians think, sorry, that they cannot prosper in this land. That's just the thought of some people. He says, I did not say this to condemn you. I have said before that we have such a place in our hearts and we will live or die with you. Verse 4. Verse 4. I have spoken to you with great frankness, with sincerity of heart. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy does what? Knows no bound. Let's say that statement together. My joy does what? Knows no bounds. Whatever it is, anybody is passing through. As a believer, your joy knows no bound. What does that tell you? Your joy does not have a boundary. You are not joyful because you bought a car. You are not joyful because you passed an exam. Those things are temporary happiness. That's why I laugh at some people because God does a little thing and you say because of that you serve God. What God has done for you in terms of material things should not be the reason why you want to serve him. The essence of your service should be based on the foundation of his love that you understand. Are you following me this morning? He said, my joy knows no bound. Verse 5. Verse 5. He says, for when we came into Macedonia. Now, Paul is trying to tell us about the Macedonian church. He said, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on every side. Fears within. This is somebody's experience. When you get to a new environment, get to a new workplace, Something new happens to you, but there is conflict on every side. Your intentions are right. Your motives are right. Your appearance is right. Your credentials are right. But there is conflict on what? On every side. There is fears. Have I been in those shoes before? Yes. Now, this happens when you are about to approach something and everybody tells you that other people have failed. i never forget how we had to fast for almost 21 days in my house. Why? Because we were trusting God that when we get to Lagos, they will not deny our immigration visa. 
Until my dad called him, I think on the 18th day, and called and said, ah, what's going on? He said, we didn't pick your call because we were praying. Praying for what? He said, we are praying that when we get to Lagos, the visa is not denied. He said, is it what they've approved? And this is how many Christians operate their life. A man of God said that there are some things you don't pray for if you understand that it has been given. If you understand some things have been given, you don't pray for it. You don't pray for it. Conflicts on the outside and fears within. Verse 6. Verse 6. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Mark this. Mark this. Mark this. There will always be a journey in your life where it looks like there will be chaos. Just like the song you sang. He said, I found peace in the midst of what? In the midst of chaos. When he's talking about peace there, he's talking about two things. He's talking about the spiritual standpoint and the physical standpoint. The spiritual standpoint is talking about the peace you find in the word of God. The physical standpoint is that he is going to bring to you a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So whenever you're journeying through any part of your life, there will always be somebody to stand by you. Now mark this, more than likely the person might not have the same belief you have. The person might not have the same tribe you have. The person might not be of your kind of gender. The person might not believe in your opinions. The person might not have the same ideology that you have. But one thing I know is that the person has an understanding that I am here to see you through. And that was just the case of Jonathan when he came down to David. I can't be Jonathan understanding that my father is the king. I am next to the throne. But Jonathan understood that the oil was not on his head. The oil was on whose head? It was on David's head. And he said to himself, I'm not going to fight you for the throne. The father looked at him and said, you must be very stupid. This throne is about to go to David. Fight for this thing. He understood that no, this throne does not belong to me. That's why you need to relax your mind when it looks like those around you are envying what you have. Listen, whatever God has given to you has a label. Only your name is on it. Are you following me this morning? Only your name is on it. He says, but God who comforts the dankers comforted us by the coming of Titus. Verse 7. Verse 7. Can I have verse 7? He says, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. You need to surround yourself with people that will always bring you good report. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Surround yourself with what? With people that will always bring you good report. I hate sadists. Are you following me this morning? Looks like THN Church is cold this morning. I hate what? I hate sadists. Why are you sad? They can't explain. Why are you speaking negative? It's just my thoughts. I just, I, just, I just feel that this thing will not go well. And that's the time and age we find ourselves. People get the validation of God's word from social media. People get the validation of God's word by the testing on somebody else. The Bible says that you should test the word of God for yourself. Don't tell your neighbor and say, go and test this word first. If it works for you, then I'll try. No. He said, he told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, 
so that my joy was greater than ever. Verse 8, verse 8. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letters. Now, there was no way Paul was not going to cause them sorrow by his letter because while Paul was in prison, he was giving some hard messages. And the irony about Paul's life is that those guys are questioning themselves. How is this guy knowing? How is this guy Paul knowing what's happening here? Just like when Paul said about the church, he said, he said, he said you, you, you are so mighty in wealth. He says, but your giving is little. And he cost them with their wealth. So he said, I'm sorry. If I've caused you sorrow, if I've caused you to be moody, if I've caused you to be sad by my letter. He says, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you. But it's only for a little while. Every word of God is to charge you. Many of the times the charges are always painful. Did you hear what I just said this morning? Sometimes the charges are always painful. One part of your life that looks very painful is your pruning stage. When God is cutting off some things off you. And just in case you don't like to be pruned, that's why you're going south. That's why you're going south. That's why the word of God cannot set to well. Verse 9. Verse 9. He says, yet now I'm happy. Not because you are made sorry. But because your sorrow led to repentance. Your sorrow led to what? To repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended. And so not were harmed in any way by us. Verse 10. Verse 10. Watch this. Watch this. Godly sorrow brings what? Repentance. Let's say that loud. Godly sorrow brings what? Let me hear your voice this morning. Don't be cold on me. Godly sorrow brings what? Repentance. That leads to what? Salvation. And leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrow, it brings what? Death. Verse 11. Verse 11. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What eagerness and what eagerness to clear yourself from indignation. What alarm, what longing, what concern. As a song that I love so much, and one of these days I'm going to play with John's like to sing it. It's a, I, I can't remember the person who sang it, but I love the song. So it says, you are the longing of my heart. Something like that. Uh, the desire of my life, sweetness to my soul. Jesus, my all in all. Sweetness to my soul. Jesus, my all. There must be a longing. There must be a longing. There must be a longing. What longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. Verse 12. Verse 12. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of what you did wrong, nor on the account of the injured party, but rather than God, you could see for yourself how devoted you are to us. Verse 13. But all these were encouraged in addition to our own encouragement. We were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. Verse 14. Verse 14. I had boasted to him about you and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. Verse 15. Verse 15. And his affection for you is all the greater 
when he remembers that you are all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. Now verse 16. Verse 16. I am glad that I can have complete confidence in you. It's a question I want to ask ahead of time in the course of my teaching. Can God have complete confidence in you? If you're taking a note, it's a place to put that question. Can God have what? Complete confidence in you. Can God have complete confidence in you? I know we sing a song that says, I have confidence in you. But turning the other way around, can God have what? Complete confidence in you. I'm teaching this morning on what I've titled, Contagious Joy. Someone say, Contagious Joy. Let me hear you loud and clear this morning. Say, Contagious Joy. The joy that sustains our faith in God is to see that the word of God produces result. Anytime God's word does not produce a result in our life, many of us are downcasted. Many of us are disappointed. I said it before in this house that if you see any man going through disappointment, it's because his expectations have been cut short. Anytime your expectations are cut short, it affects your standpoint. Sometimes it affects what you believe. Just imagine somebody prophesying how healed and how whole they are in terms of their health. Then all of a sudden, the doctor gives you a negative report and the person starts thinking, listen, there is always a report that supersedes what man says. There is always a report that does what? That supersedes what man says. This was the same young boy that they said his heart cannot keep him up till he's 15. The same young boy, they said, oh, asthma already took a hold of his heart. In fact, they were almost at the edge of having a heart surgery for me. It was stopped in the process and the doctor literally looked at my mom and said, I doubt you if you'll be 15. You have to come back and do this. The question I have to say is whose report do you believe? Am I speaking to somebody's spirit this morning? So the joy that sustains a believer is when the word of God can produce results. So what does that tell you? That by default, God's word has the capacity to produce results. That's why Pastor Chris said to us in the meeting, he said, what God wants to give you is not a car. What God wants to give you is not healing. What God wants to give you is not clothes. What God wants to give you is not success in your academics. What God wants to give you is not that job you are praying for. What God wants to give you is his word in your spirit. Because with his word in your spirit, you can produce anything. You need to understand this this morning. Not too many pastors will preach about this. Many of them will make you see that prayer is the platform to get everything. That's not true. Just like people say prayer is the master key. That's not true. There's no part in the scripture that says prayer is the master key. There's no part. There's no part in the scripture. God's word, the word of God, by default, has enough capacity to produce results. How do I know this? Isaiah 55 verse 10 to 11. Isaiah 55 from verse 10 to 11. Came here to preach to you this morning. Isaiah 55 from verse 10 to 11. I want to show you what God's word talks about. What God talks about. Isaiah 55 verse 10 to 11. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the heart 
and making it bored and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. Now watch verse 11. Watch verse 11. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will do what? Accomplish. Let me hear you say the word accomplish. It will accomplish. It will accomplish what I desire. So what does that tell you? Every release of God's word comes from the place of God's desire. If God says you'll be great, he means it. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you? Growing up in a teenager's church, when we had this pastor, I can't really remember his name, but we used to call him Dickin or something like that. And he would always say to us, every word of God released to you, pick your customization out of it. It's a general word, but you can personalize it. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Oh, put your right hand on your chest and say, I'm blessed. He says, my word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So once he has sent his word, it must achieve. God's word does not go back to him. Then it makes him less of a God. The proof that is God is that he sends forth his word and it achieves what it's designed to achieve. And I'm speaking concerning you this morning. That whatever God has said concerning you that is hanging, that's just my heinous prayer, that is hanging, it will come to manifestation. He says, so my word would not come out of my mouth and return back to me empty. The word of God reflects the mind of God. The word of God reflects the desires of God. The word of God reflects the character of God. Is integrity. Some of you might need to get this right. The character of God is the integrity of God. So when people say they question your integrity, it's not because you said something. They have judged you by your character. That's just the truth. I learned that working in the prison. Because they, 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 they hire all manners of people. They hire all kinds of people. And, you know, it got to a point. One Nigerian man asked one time. He said, how come we are always in this ship briefing and you're always telling officers, don't have relationship with inmates. Don't sleep with them. Don't collect their money. Don't do this. And he said, with how much you are paying us, we are satisfied. Who, who, who wants to deal with a criminal? You know, that's the mindset of somebody who is not a criminal. Who wants to deal with a criminal? You imagine somebody who has four kids at home, happily married, having a relationship with an offender in the prison. Why? Because the pack of cigarettes they sell outside in the public for $2, a prisoner is ready to buy it from you for $500. And you find a woman happily married, having a relationship with her. So one day, a Nigerian man stood up and said, Sir, I am no longer comfortable in this ship briefing when you are always warning us before we go to our duty post that we should not have relationship with offenders. And one of the lieutenants looked up and said to him, he said, he said Sir, sit down. Sir, sit down. He said, I understand your pain. It looks like an insult. He said, I'm not saying it because of you. He said, I'm saying it because of the ladies that are here. Now the ladies got offended. They were like, oh, why would I have a relationship with a criminal? Why would I have this? He said, it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. You're coming to a workplace and you're doing lipstick, you're putting on wig, doing all kinds of things. You're, you're, already, you, you, you're already projecting how weak your integrity can be. I'm telling you the truth. Because for my, for my four or five years of working there, I worked night shift my entire life. 
And I asked myself a question. Why are you doing makeup on a night shift? Why are you doing makeup on a night shift? There is no mirror. There is no mirror. And it's not that you are leaving from night shift to go to another shift in the morning. Why are you doing makeup? Why all the rings on your finger? Why trying to come into the prison with your phone? You have a mission. You have a mission. There are days you go to work and you're not even take a shower for four days. There's somebody had mind to do makeup. It's not that the person wants to say, I'm intentional about my beauty. Come on. It's like a woman burying her husband and she still has time to call makeup artist. Say, come and do makeup for me before we go to the tomb site. You really did not lose your husband. You really did not lose your husband. There are some things I question. Some people say, oh, pastor, it's just normal. It's, just, it's, it's, for, it's for media's sake. Who media help? You are in a morning state. You are concerned about what media has to say. So he says, sir, don't get offended. I'm not saying it because of you. Of course, you are a 60-something-year-old man. Uh, this, is a, this is a male prison, so you are not going to have issues with male offenders. He said, I'm saying this for the women that are here. He said, because we are judging them by their appearance. The character of God. God's word is his character. is his integrity. And that's the same thing I'm going to say to you. What's the character that you profess? Don't say they are talking down your integrity. They are seeing what you are putting on the table. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? They are seeing what you are putting on the table. Say, oh, pastor, I think I take my job very seriously. But you are coming late. Coming late, but ready to live on time. The word of God reflects the character and the integrity of God. The word of God connects us to the promises. The word of God connects us to the promises, which is our inheritance. The word of God connects us to what? To his promises, which is what? Our inheritance. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 14. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 14. Let's see that real quick. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 14. I said the word of God connects you to his promises for your life. And those promises are what? They are your inheritance. Now watch what it says. It says in him we were all chosen. Having predestined according to the pattern of him. Who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his word. His will. Verse 12. Verse 12. In order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now watch verse 13. And you also were included in Christ. The word of God connects you to his promises. Watch this. You also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a word. With a word? Let me hear that and clear. With a word. The promised word. Holy Spirit. Verse 14. Who is a deposit? See that. Some of you may not have seen that in your Bible before. The Holy Spirit is a word. Is a deposit. Guaranteeing what? Our inheritance. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. 
God's word connects you to his promises. And those promises are what? They are your inheritance. To be included in Christ Jesus is to become full partakers and collectors of the inheritance. Some of us are living our faith life not fully included in Christ Jesus. And I have to pause here for a moment and just say some things to some people. Some of us are living our faith life but we are not fully included in Christ Jesus. How do I know? It tells by the way you live your life. It tells by the way you live your life. It tells by the things you say. It tells by the things you think about. It tells about what you profess. It tells about how you have judged your life. I run away from Christians who have a judgment upon their life. And I ask myself, it's not yet the judgment day. Why do you have such a quick judgment upon your life? The Holy Spirit is your deposit. The Holy Spirit is that deposit that guarantees you your what? Your inheritance. So how dare you tell me that you are a Christian but you don't have the Holy Spirit? Am I preaching this morning? How dare you tell me you're a Christian? Oh, pastor, I go to church. Pastor, I've been a church boy all my life. Pastor, there's no part of the scripture I don't know. Uh, I was in a Baptist church in the U.S. one time. And the preacher, the preacher was preaching so hard. And he just dropped one bomb I'll never forget. He said, the job of the Holy Spirit is not to help you interpret scriptures. He said, the job of the Holy Spirit is not to help you quote scriptures. He said, the job of the Holy Spirit is not to help you flip scriptures. And so I know from Genesis to Revelation. He said, that's not the job. Of, he said, the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal the truth. Can I hear you say the truth? The truth. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. To reveal the truth of God's word. I've told you before in this house that your entire Bible is not the completion of God's word. It's not the completion. But that's what they teach you in church. That if you know the entire Bible, you're good to go. No. The only pathway to enjoying a complete peace of mind in the journey of your life till you meet Christ in glory is to have his spirit. Is to do what? Have his spirit. A Christian without the Holy Spirit is a crisis moving around with the Bible. A Christian without the Holy Spirit is a crisis roaming around the streets with the Bible. That's where you find all kinds of insults on this Christian faith. Are you sure you're a Christian? Are you sure you're a child of God? A child of God does not behave like that. See, it's an insult on the Holy Spirit. A big insult. The Holy Spirit, that's your deposit. That's your guarantor. That's your guarantor. That's, 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 that's your quick access to the inheritance. What kind of inheritance are we talking about? We're talking about an inheritance that does not fade. An inheritance that does not spoil. An inheritance that does not expire. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. I told you earlier, I said pay attention to every scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Let's start from verse 3. Let's start from verse 3. It said, Praise be to God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, 
He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now verse 4. And into a what? Let me all out loud. Into what? Into what? Into an inheritance that can what? That can never perish. An inheritance that can never spoil. An inheritance that can never fade. Now, this inheritance is kept where? It's kept in where? In heaven for you. Time will not permit me because somebody is saying this and is like, oh, wow. So the inheritance is just in heaven. What am I doing here on earth? It tells me you've not read the scripture too well. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on what? As it is done in what? Heaven. Your inheritance in heaven is already with you. Because the moment the Holy Spirit came into your heart, you got connected with heaven. You got connected with heaven. It's not until you die. You got connected with heaven. So let your kingdom come. And his kingdom truly came. His kingdom came. So I'm happy to announce to you that you have an inheritance with God that can never spoil. Somebody might need to write that in their notepad. Somebody might need to do a sticker on that on their wall. You have an inheritance in Christ that can never perish. That can never spoil. That can never fade. I remember when I was in Babcock, uh, there was this, um, just in case you wore that shirt, I was part of those who wore it too. Uh, there's this shirt they make. Apparently, I bought that shirt at Chalene then. Uh, it's called Checkers. It has red and white, some blue and white, some black and white. I wore that shirt so much because it was my favorite shirt when I was in Babcock. Most pictures you see of me as a student is either I'm on that red shirt. I went for interview for certain positions in school. It was that shirt I wore. And you know the way that shirt goes? Any trouser goes with it. Any tie goes with it. Any shoe goes with it. One day somebody called me and said, is this the only shirt you have? I said, it's just my favorite. Have you met people that will tell you something is their favorite? And they can wait a million times. Until the day she called my attention to it, she said, as beautiful as this shirt is in the front, have you seen the back? I said, if the front is good, then the back must be good. He said, no. He said, Tomorrow, turn your back. Let them take a picture or stand in front of a mirror. And I saw the back. You know, there's a way you press iron on a cloth for too long. What happens to that cloth? The color begins to fade out. When your ghetto is looking burnt, you are better trash that cloth. When your ghetto on the cloth is looking burnt, just trash the cloth. You, you've, you, you've done enough. Like my mom will say, if this cloth is to come back again from heaven, it will not come to you. Some people can use things to fade out, to lose value. Trash it? No. Do you know how much I bought it? Oh, God, you spent the money of this thing already. I'll never forget when that person said it to me and I looked at the back and I saw how faded. So the red was already blending with the white at the back. Only the front was looking good. And I went back to the hostel, removed the shirt. 
And I said, today is the last day. I'm wearing this shirt. But the inheritance of God does not what? Does not fade out. Does not fade out. The mystery behind every word that comes from God. The mystery behind the words of God that you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are positioned or opportune to hear is that it eradicates three major elements that hinders a believer from attaining the promise and reflecting the light. What am I trying to say? That every time you are opportuned to hear God's word, anytime God's word is exchanged to you, anytime you have a communion or an engagement with God's word, it has three major things that it must do in your life. I just hope time will permit me to treat the three in today's service. It has three major things that it must combat in your life. Three major things. You need to understand that. That's why I tell people, don't be too excited when you hear the word. Understand it. Understand it. A great preacher said, he said, when you receive God's word with thanksgiving, it tells that you understand what you've heard. It tells that you've understand, you understand what you've heard. And this is where we find the missing ball. Because a whole bunch of Christians just hear the word, but they don't understand it. Are you following me this morning? And that's what is happening in the church. The church has switched God's word to be giving you prophecies. Getting you excited, but you don't have depth understanding of what has been said. So when somebody prophesies Psalm 23 verse 1 over your life, you are excited. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've taught you before in this house. He can never be a shepherd to a dog. He can never be a shepherd to a goat. So as quick as you hear the prophecy, check yourself. Do I fit into this prophecy? Anytime Pastor Chris gives us the theme of the month when I was in Christ's embassy, the next thing he will tell us is that engage the prophecy with your understanding of God's word and with your fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will look at you and say, oh, your pastor said this month is your month of prosperity. It's not for you. You're like, Holy Spirit, I really want to prosper. It's like, no. This is your own month of pruning. Because if you prosper before you are being pruned, you'll perish. And that's the truth. You get prospered before you are pruned, you'll perish. You'll perish. It's like giving a young boy or five years old or six years old a Toyota Highlander. You give him a, a Maserati, you give him a, a Rolls Royce and say, this is your birthday gift. That's the key. Drive around the city. Just know that as he has taken off with whatever speed he took off with, just get his coffin ready because he won't come back alive. Oh, what if God's, God's grace keeps him? Okay, let's, let's accept God's grace keeps him and he comes back alive. More than likely, he will not come back the way you give him the car. Something must have happened to the car. He must have messed up with the setting. He must have hit the car with something. Because why? He was not properly prepared. To be pruned is to be prepared. Are you hearing me this morning? To be pruned is to be what? To be prepared. 
Some of us have jumped into blessings. Some of us have jumped into prophecies. Now, the sad part of it is that when the prophet or the pastor now tells you that this is what you have to do to get the prophecy, I've heard of people that will say, sell all your things so that this thing that God is saying will come to pass your life. So you eventually sell those things and now you are stranded, you are stagnated. Then it makes God a liar. No. Whenever God's word is released to you, ask him, where am I standing? Where am I what? Where am I standing? Where am I standing? Where am I standing? Very, very important. So, when you get God's word, there are three things that the word of God will force combat in your life before you can be a full partaker of it. Number one, a quick embrace of God's word will firstly eradicate fear. A quick embrace of God's word will do what? Will eradicate what? Can I hear that word? Will eradicate what? Fear. The first approach you have with God's word, it would eradicate fear. If your system, your life, your spirit is dominated by fear, it hinders what the word can do. I put it here for you. Fear is an effective tool used by the enemy of your soul to demoralize and discourage the hope and the confidence a believer can have when they choose to cleave on the word of God. You go for programs. You are excited about what you heard. You are excited about what you see. But when fear sets in, it discourages you. It discourages. Have I been discouraged before? Yes, I have. I have been. Have I been demoralized before? Yes, I have. Nobody has it. No, 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 nobody's. Nobody's eluded from this. Nobody's eluded from this. Oh, pastor, I'm not, anytime I get God's word, I'm, I'm charged up. It's not true. It's not true. It takes. It takes a level of work with God to cross that ladder. And I'm speaking from the place of sincerity this morning. That some of you, it's not that God's word has not been released to your life. It's not that God's word has not been, you have not engaged with God's word. But guess what? There's a system called fear. That is a gatekeeper separating you from that promise. Fear is not designed to kill. It's just designed to discourage. It's just designed to discourage, to demoralize you. So you're excited about kingdom service. But you heard a word. And you got demoralized. You're excited about giving to God. But you heard a word. got demoralized. What shifts many people? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this if, this. if you fall in this category. You have a whole lot of things to do on yourself. If you allow what happens to people to determine how far you want to go to God, I doubt if you understand the God you are dealing with in the first place. Am I speaking to your spirit this morning? Say, oh, why did God let that brother die? That brother really, really served him. That brother gave his all for God. Ah, this God, though, now let him know. Hmm. 
if you allow those things to determine your relationship with God, it tells that you don't even understand the God you're dealing with. You don't understand. Scripture tells you that nothing, 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 nothing should hinder the prosperity of your faith. Nothing should affect your confidence in God. Men will always fail. God does not fail. Do you hear what I just said? Men will always fail, but God does not what? God does not fail. It will demoralize you. It will discourage your confidence, the hope you have, the assurance you have. Psalm 34, verse 4 to 5. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 4 to 5. Psalm 34, verse 4 to 5. Can I have that on the screen? Now watch this. This was a psalmist, David, speaking here. I love this scripture. He said, I sought the Lord. Like many of us do. Some of you seek the Lord through prayers. Some of you through fasting. Some of you through giving. Some of you through brokenness. You just, just say, Lord, break me. Some of you through fellowship. Some of you even seek the Lord through isolation. I do that a whole lot. I just tune out on everybody. Why? So I can get something specific from him. For this album, most of the times I want to receive the word for the month. I just isolate myself. David said, I sought the Lord. And he did what? He answered me. And what's the first thing the Lord did? He delivered him from what? From all his fears. Can God really heal? Can God really wipe my tears? Can God really give me a new song? Can God change my story? Can God help me? Let Hack Bishop Benson Daosa said, he said, one, he said you can pray all prayers so, and you might not get quick answers. He said, but there's one prayer that you pray, you will get a quick answer. If you shout, God, help me, he will help you. If you shout it, somebody might need to go back home this night, this afternoon, and shout that prayer. If you shout, God, help me, he will help you. Why? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does help come from? From the God who makes the heavens and the earth. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5. Verse 5. Those who look at him. I have a question to you this morning. Who are you looking up to? Your father? Your mother? Your what? Your pastor, the opinions people have about you, your credentials, the economy of your nation, your uncle. For somebody says, I, 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 I look up to my dreams. Dream? Pastor, my dream always comes to pass. Dreams? <laughs> those who look to him are radiant 
Their faces are never what? I want you to read this scripture so that it can enter your spirit. Let's read it together. Those who go ahead, want to go. And so where did you see your own shame from? Where did you see your own regret from? Oh, pastor, I'm so ashamed. Pastor, I feel disgraced. Ah, he tells who you are looking up to. He tells who you are looking up to. Those who look to him. Their faces are never. See, he didn't say sometimes. He didn't say often. What's that word? Are never. I've told you before this house, even if it's two seconds to shame, to shame, something must happen. A great man of God said he can be shooting everybody before he gets to my tongue. Something, you see that the bullet finishes or the gun hangs. Or they say, let's stop here today, we'll continue the next day. Because a miracle must take place. A miracle must take place. Anytime my, myself, I get to the airport and they say they are changing flight, something is good. I just said to myself, I said, more than likely, something is about to happen to that plane that God has just saved me from. One of the messages that the Lord, one of the inspirations that the Lord shared with me a long time ago, and I, I, most times when I'm driving on the highway, especially this Lagos Ibadan, and I see an accident that just happened, the first thing I tell myself is, that could have been me. That could have been me. I'm happy to announce to you that if you look up to him, your face will be radiant. That's a reflection of his personality will come on you. Then number two, your face will never be covered with shame. You have a partner. You have a friend. That's a scripture you should send to them. You know somebody going through a tough time? That's a word to send to them. That those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Number two, a quick embrace of God's word eradicates self-judgment. Anytime you embrace God's word, it eradicates what? Self-judgment. Judgment is a seal. Judgment is an ordeal over a subject matter. It's a bind. That's what judgment is. Self-judgment comes from the place of thoughts, the way you think. Self-judgment comes from the place of assumption. It comes from the place of interactions. And I want to beg of you this morning as a believer, be careful of the kinds of people you interact your life issues with. Let me say this to help somebody. Somebody who has not lived on a top floor. 
somebody who has not lived on a top floor will never understand the value of a decking. Somebody who has never lived on the top floor will never understand the value of a decking. In case you're living on a down floor and you have tenants or neighbors that live on the top, always jumping. Down, down. Everything, they bang, they bang. Tell them to come and do one week downstairs. Then you move upstairs. Then with the same measure, say give and it shall be given back unto you. With good measure. So if they give you a 20-fold of jumping on decking, give them another 20. They can't do two days downstairs. There will be what they call uh, godly sorrow. They'll repent. They'll say, we are sorry that you endured this for two years. Somebody who has not stayed on the top floor will never understand what a decking is. As erected and powerful a decking can look to you on the surface. Do you know decking can collapse? Am I, do I have people who are into buildings and all that stuff here? Have you seen deckings collapse? So just in case you are here and you're a victim, you're always jumping on your top floor, disregarding your neighbor downstairs. Why did I say this? You are interacting your life wishes with somebody who does not really understand what life is all about. Very stupid of a thing. A woman is having issues in her marriage. She's discussing with singles. You have financial issues. You didn't see those who have crossed financial ladders. You are talking with somebody who does not have a job. And who probably does not go to church. I've seen all these things. I hear stories like this. Many of you watch TV channels, TV programs, where people are talking about... Um, Feminism, a woman should stand by her right. Go and check out the people, the panel of people having those discussions. You can't find somebody who has a thriving home in the midst of them. A virtuous woman is busy putting her home in order. She doesn't have business interacting with you why you should have a home and why you should not have a home. You had better be careful. Some people don't understand life. So it's like me trying to get sympathy for somebody who has never seen, does not know what asthma is. And I say, can, can you feel my pain? I've said it before in this house. Somebody said, Pastor, oh, that's, that is not good. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, you should be feeling people's pain. I can't feel your pain because I'm not passing through it. If you have a friend that tells you I feel your pain, slap him. Because you can never. You can never. Say, I feel your pain. No pain. Pain. Have you seen somebody trying to catch his breath? Somebody gaps him for breath. And say, Come, the Lord is with you. I feel your pain. We're in this together. You can't be in it together. You can't. If we're in it together, let them cover your mouth too. Then you two try to catch for breath. So let's know we are in this together. Beloved brothers and sisters, be careful the kinds of people you have interactions with about your life issues about your faith many of those interactions brings about judgment 
Self-judgment emanates from thoughts, assumptions, opinions, weightless conclusions. If your husband is always coming home late at night, more than likely he is seeing another woman. That's a, that's a weightless conclusion. That's a weightless conclusion. Weightless conclusion. Oh, he doesn't greet me anymore. Oh, but more than likely we are no longer friends. That's a weightless conclusion. My friend that stayed with me in Houston said to me, he said, he said to my wife, you have told me that ah, things were not really going well with, with you financial-wise. He said, I, I wouldn't have been buying those things I was buying online. I said, was it not obvious? Did you see that I was not buying things into the house? Did you see that I was going broke? He said, no. He said, nobody announces they are broke. Or rather, nobody, nobody, nobody expresses their brokenness by not buying anything. That's not true. If you're broke, you're broke. You say, I don't have the money. He said, but that you're quiet. Quietness is not a proof that you're broke. Am I making sense this morning? It's not a proof. Now you go to a party and every time you're always spraying dollars, spraying pounds. They call you, ah, tell me one more barrel day and you, you, you spray, you spray. So you wait for another party, they call your name again and say, Tommy Bobo, Tommy Bobo, you just sat down, just they look. Then someone will come and tap you and say, 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 look at him. Money has finished in his hand. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. And that somebody else is spraying money does not mean he has the money. Nigerians might need to wake up. People go to parties and get people that are spraying money and say, ah, ah, bralayi, bralayi, see the way he spraying money. Ah, okay, maybe after the party I'll tell him that I've not paid my school fees. But Allah could have borrowed that money to spray. Stop coming into witless conclusions. Stop, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. It has even affected some brothers. Sorry to say this. It has affected some brothers in the choice of relationship. Affected some sisters in the choice of relationship. Say, that guy, we start, more than likely God is not with him. And the one that is speaking in tongues beside you is more than likely the one that God is far away from. Judging people by their appearance, coming into witless conclusion. So, any, any lady that you see that has, uh, what's that thing that ladies put on their nose? I don't want to call it a different name. Do I have ladies that, what's that thing? Somebody help me. The ring. Uh, nose ring. So you look at someone and say, ah, that lady has nose ring. Ah, a mere shoe. Stop, stop it. Stop it. She, 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 she might be more broken than you. She might be more broken than you. See, every time she comes to church, her wig is always very loud. More than likely, she's operating with all kinds of spirit. She might be more spiritual than you. She might know God better than you do. Of all the people in the land, it was a prostitute that saved the Israelites. A prostitute. And there were human beings who knew better. Everybody was just following Jesus. That's, that, that's why you, you must be careful in your following. Let your following come with intentionality. They just kept following. But somebody who they regarded as a sinner, Zacchaeus, said to himself, I wouldn't miss this move. Climbed up to the tree where it could be noticed. And Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, today, I'll dine in your house. Now the rest of them that were following, do you know the kinds of things they were saying? It's in your Bible. 
Why would he dine in the house of a sinner? Why would he dine in the house of a robber? That guy has robbed us. He has done this. He has done that. Mark, go, and go back and read your Bible about Zacchaeus. The first place that salvation was erected was in Zacchaeus' house. Jesus said to him and stood up. Jesus said, today salvation has come into this house. Self-judgment is provocative. Self-judgment is condemnation. Self-judgment is uploading and displaying evil reports. If you are that person in this house that is always uploading and displaying evil report, it's not, it's not Christian-like. It's very provocative. Just get provoked. Very condemning. What you need to understand is that the reality of anything that exists on, in heaven and on earth is by the name they bear. Whatever you see that exists is the name that you give to it. Oh, I, 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 used, I used to be like that. I used to be like that or the Lord delivered me. I had the assumption that anybody who is so thin, like almost as thin as three microphones coming together, that more than likely they are SS and they will die very soon. Until I saw somebody who was very, very thin. Saw his, uh, his you know, I said, I said, eh, eh. I said, no, not possible. Why? Because in biology, they made us understand that they gave us a picture. They said, see that man? Mr. Ali is fat. He's eh, eh. See that one? He's slim. Miss Simbi, eh, yes. See that one? He's, eh, he's a brain. Very thin. He's eh. I grew up with that assumption. So when I see them very thin, no stature, nothing, looking like yam, I say, ah, sikusela. Are there people like that? Yes, but not everybody. Not everybody. So you just, just get provoked for no reason. Just condemn for no reason. It's not Christ-like. We had better change. We had better change. Whatever name you give to a thing, it becomes the reality of it. It becomes the reality of it. How do I know this? Genesis chapter 2 verse 19. Genesis 2 verse 19. Are we getting something this morning? Genesis 2 verse 19. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man. Watch this. He brought them to what? To the man. To see. To see. Can I say this to somebody? Sometimes the trials that comes your way, God is waiting for you to name it. God is waiting for you to name it. That you are failing an exam does not mean you should call it failure. That things are not working well for you does not mean you should call it a calamity. What you call it is what it will bear. And whatever it bears, it determines your reaction about around it. Whatever you call anything, it determines your reaction about it. Try and go to the barracks. Barracks. The barracks. I think they said there is one at Ojo. Yes, I know the one at Ojo. Barracks of army men loaded with guns. So you just run inside the barracks. 
and just shout, thief is coming, thief is coming. They'll be looking at you like, are you okay? Like what thief has the mind to enter back? Whether you are Geshikoli or whatever, you don't have the mind to enter back. Back. Amen. They'll just be looking at you like, oh God, oh God, things are coming. Let's hide. Let's hide. They'll be looking at you like this. Because army men don't deal with thieves. They deal with bandits. Terrorists. So if somebody has been trained to deal with terrorists, who is a thief? What did he steal? He snatched somebody's phone. And you ran inside barrack. Even the thieves that saw you run inside barrack will not go in that direction. Don't go. But shout thief, 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 thief. Enter police station. More than likely they'll shut the door. Why? Because they were not trained for it. They were not trained for it. It's the honest truth. If your family member is a police officer here, go and ask them. It's the truth. They didn't train them. They didn't train police to catch thief. That's what some of you don't understand. That's when, they call, when you call them and they say there's no fuel in the car. We don't have gun. See, they did not train them to catch thief. I have few police officers as friends. They trained them to, to enforce peace in the society, not to catch thief. You that they came to rob, why did you position yourself to be robbed? So you bought an iPhone 14. You now decided to walk on challenge and you are doing like this. You positioned yourself to be robbed. Bought a brand new Maserati. You are driving it around challenge. Mokola, Molite, Bere, with no plate number. Say, so you want to test the car if it can move around very well. You, of course, don't, don't just park the car in the house at night. Just gonna park it in barracks because they'll follow you. Or you took your babe out to go and hit. Your mates are using card. You want to show the girl you love her, you brought her cash, mint. Then you have a PA holding the bag for you. Say, bring it out. Say, bring it You now tell the person counting the food, say, how much is everybody's food? Oh, God, don't sleep at home that night because they'll come for you. Whatever name you call it becomes the reality. It brought them to the man to see what would he name them. And watch this. Whatever name the man called each living creator, what happened? That became their name. Stop calling your crisis, crisis. Stop calling your trials, trials. I would try to remember the country right now. If I remember, Holy Spirit, help me. They don't call challenges challenges. They call it opportunities. You know one thing that is very common to we Christians? We are looking for sympathy. I want somebody to feel what I'm passing through. I want somebody to understand that this thing is a foundational issue. Who does not have foundation? I need pastor to really understand that it's a family I came out from. It's a, it's a little logo. That's why we are battling with it. Who did not come out from a little logo? Ilelogu is not until when it's official that your father had many wives living in the same house. That's one of you who don't understand. If you don't understand my Yoruba, that you are going through something, it's not because your father had two wives or four wives. No. Do you know how many people your father disappointed? That did not marry. Don't forget your father didn't jump down from heaven. He went to second school. He must have beaten one girl in the class for writing his name in noise. 
she would have cursed him. He went through universities. There were days he was broke and didn't have money for food. I went to sleep in that girl's house and did all kinds of things just for him to get uh, concussion rights. Eventually, he didn't marry the girl. She cursed him. There were parties he went to and he messed up. He cursed him. So that he officially just has one wife does not mean he has not had many on the journey that have thrown curses at him. And this isn't about curse. If he does not catch the person he was sent to, he goes after the next generation. So I say, ah, Pastor, ah, my one is better. My father is a man of one wife. Those people are battling their own before their father had two, three. They are men with multiple wives and their family is stable. Can I make sense to you this morning? They are men with multiple wives and their family is what? Stable. Nothing they happen. Everybody's at peace. Your, own, your father just has one. Every prayer meeting you are there. Why? Because you are going to foundational issues. You'll be off. Whatever name Adam called them, that's the name they bear. As a lady, you have a health challenge, whatever they call it, they call it breast cancer. Don't call it that name. It's affecting your disposition. It's affecting how you reason. It's affecting how you relate. Some of you might need to understand that words are weapons. Words are what? Weapons. James chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. I need to run very fast. James chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. I want to show you. As I said to you, the scriptures I'm giving you this morning, some of you might need to write them down so that it can help you to reshape your life. James chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. It says, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body. A few people that will tell you, I didn't really mean what I said. And that thing has, has messed up a whole situation. That thing has redefined you. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It makes what? Great boasts. Consider this. Watch this. Watch this. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a what? A small spark. The fire that burns down a house is not the heavy one. It starts very small. And before you know it, they cannot contain it. You better be very careful with your words, the things you say. They are spark. They are spark. It's a very small part of the body. Place your palms, place your feet beside your mouth. If you are very good at acrobatics, try it. Your mouth is small. Very small. But the power daring it will take ages. Hear this. It will take ages for your hand to bring down a mountain. But your words can bring down a mountain. He said, for you shall say to this mountain, be moved. And it will be moved. If you are to use hand, you need more hands. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? Words are weapon. You also need to know that words are dispositions. They are dispositions. They determine your character. They determine your engagement. They determine your lifestyle. One time I was in school. Somebody said to me, 
most of the insults I've received in school is not is literally not from men. It's always most time from women. Because they just they just believe that they can redefine and shape your life. So that person said to me, said to me, why are you a clown? He said, no, it's good, it's good. You make everybody laugh, you're very funny, but you're just a clown. It was growing up, I realized that being a clown has both positive and negative side. But for the most part, the fact that somebody said I was funny, so I capitalized on it. Forgetting that being too funny can lead to foolishness. So I just want to make, I just want to make everybody laugh in this event. And you, before you know it, in the ace to make people laugh, you will say foolish things. I've never found a comedian that started on a good note and ended on a good note. They'll always start from a very little note introducing themselves. They hand their jokes with saying something that they should not have said. It was just that what she said. And I held on. I said, if this is coming from this girl, I know she likes me. She said, I'm a clown. So let me just, let me just be... Some of you are like that. Somebody looks at you and they say you are bold. So every little thing you are appearing. So I, 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 I like your boldness. Boldness that you cannot use to win so. I like your boldness. Somebody's house is burning you. Enter inside the fire. I like your boldness. They are rubbing on the next street. You went to a stick and they are rubbing with God. This is like a Like your boldness, they forgot key inside the house. You climbed the railing to go up. And the person that even has the key inside is looking at you like this. Don't follow. Don't follow. You can't tell me you like my boldness. I'll go at my pace. I'll go at my pace. I've had friends before. Here in Nigeria, here in the US. Say to you can't catch up with that car. It's my car. Let that car be going. It has put some people in unnecessary accidents, doing unnecessary speed. You know your brake is not too good. Somebody is telling you, I, I time you. 30 seconds, you can't catch up with that car. So you start. Then you are now approaching the car. You are begging the brake. Then you slam the car. The person says, ah, didn't you see the car? He says, eh, my brake is not working. The next thing you are hearing from the person that charged your boldness, he says, why did you tell me your brake too is not working? Psalm 119 verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. His word is a lamp. Psalm 119 verse 105. Words at disposition. His word is a lamp. It directs you. God's word determines the script you operate with. God's word determines the script your life should operate with. You also need to know that words are codes with spirit and life. Words are what? They are codes with spirit and life. John chapter 6 verse 63. John 6 63. Let me show you what that says. John chapter 6. Verse 63. Can we have that on the screen, please? It says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words are spoken to you. They are what? They are spirit. 
and they are full of life. You also need to know that words are directives backed up with power. Words are what? They are directives. Words are pointers. Wherever you send it to, whatever you tell it to do, whatever you see about it, it's backed up. Scripture says he sent forth his word. Psalm 107 verse 20. Psalm 107 verse 20. He said he sent forth his word. And his word does what? It heals them. So the healing became a reality by the word that was sent out. He sent forth his word. So everybody around that environment was seen healing. But that healing could not have taken place if one man had not spoken the word. Somebody said, I'll speak the right words. As a matter of fact, what you speak determines your expression. What you speak what you say to yourself, what you see about yourself, determines your expression. How do I know this? Because words are convictions expressed via communication. Words are convictions expressed via communication. For you to say I'm a girl, it means you're convinced you're a girl. You're all on social media where somebody tells you, somebody disagrees with a gender that they should be described as. Clearly in front of us, this is a man. General Bob Briskin, this is a man. But he won't, he is convinced that he's a what? Nobody can break your conviction. No? Nobody can break it. If you wake up this morning now and leave this service and say from today, I'm no longer a man, I'm a woman. Who will take you like that? Because every argument can lead to a fight. So to avoid fight, to avoid quarrel, to avoid misunderstanding, you are no longer a man, you are not a woman. Woman. Convictions, they are expressed through communication. Proverbs 16 verse 24. Proverbs 16 verse 24. Note this scripture. Note this scripture. Proverbs 16, 24. What does it say? It said, gracious words are a what? A honeycomb. Gracious words are a what? A honeycomb. Sweet to what? Let's read out loud. Sweet to what? And what? Healing to the bones. Gracious words. So you find somebody who is excited about the strength in their bones is determined by the words they've said concerning themselves. Find somebody whose soul is ever excited is by the words and the convictions that they have. I put it to you this morning, never joke with what you are convinced about. Never joke with what you are convinced about. Matthew 12 verse 35 to 37. Matthew 12. Matthew 12. I know it's a lot of scriptures, but it's for our good. It's for our good. Matthew, Matthew 12, 35. 35 to 37. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up for him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. 
But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the judgment. For every empty word, they have what? They have spoken. What you speak is what you express. What you speak is what you express. Verse 37. Verse 37. Watch this. For by your words. Somebody needs to open their eyes and see it. For by your words, you'll be what? Acquitted. And by your words, you'll be what? Condemned. Before anybody condemns you, you've expressed your condemnation by your words. Oh, can you see that, sister? Things are not going well for her. You've expressed it. That's why in this kingdom, in this kingdom, um, um, in, this, in, in this kingdom circle, you don't fake it, you fake it. Many of us are doing what? We are faking it. Grandfather has covered a lot of people's tears. Wig has covered the pains people are going through. Suit has covered some people's neck. Oh God, don't fake it. Is when you fake it, you don't see an opportunity. I went to, a pastor told us a story one time. He said, after service, they used to do business seminar. After service, something like this, they do a business seminar. Those who are trusting God for a job, everything. So they have people in the church who can hire. So this particular brother always come in suit, everything. He will just check out. So one day the pastor was first and said, wait, brothers are waiting behind. Those that have job and those that do not have job. Why is this one always going out? So they called him. Sir, sir, what's going on? You don't wait for this thing. I said, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm this, I'm that. Okay, so it's fine. So one day, this same brother came back to the pastor to ask for house rent. Pastor, house rent. What's going on? He said, Pastor, I just didn't know how to say it. I've been trusting God for a job. But you did not stay back. Why? Some people just feel that some opportunities are are lower than their standard. Opportunity is opportunity just by the name it calls himself. You lack something, there's an opportunity extended to you. There is. Go and meet any pastor that is not your pastor and tell them you are trusting God for a job. The first thing they want to ask you is, who is your pastor? That's number one. Number two, they will ask you, is there no job opportunity in your church? Because if we are going to help you, we must start from somewhere. Is there nobody in your family that can hire you? Say, Pastor, no, my dreams, my dreams are big. Even dreams that big dreams start small. They start small. A believer is expected to reproduce the intent of God's word. It's your place to reproduce the intent of God's word. A believer is expected to reaffirm his life, to embrace the might of God's word. A believer is expected to redesign their life according to the efficacy of God's word. A believer is expected to readjust his life to align with the promises and the placements of God's word. So what, what do you have to do as a believer? You have to reproduce. You have to reaffirm. You have to redesign. And you have to realign. That's your place. Refrain. Refrain from the act of uploading the status of your life by the circumstances you face. I see that a lot in church. I see that a lot on social media. You want people to relate with you by your circumstances. That's wrong. Very wrong. You're not even helping others who are in the faith. So, see, 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 see that brother right there? Ah, his, face is, he, 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 his case is special. 
He's kissing special. That's why they have him to sit in front. That's why everybody's greeting him. What, must, you, must you be defined by your circumstance? Must you be defined by your circumstance? There's no sympathy in this faith. There's no sympathy. Somebody was on the road with fellow beggars, fellow crippled men, fellow blind men, blind man of Bartimaeus. What did he say? He said, Jesus, son of David, do what? Have mercy on me. The others more than likely would have been tapping. He said, oh God, keep quiet, keep quiet. Don't be only you there here. Stop doing it. Stop uploading the status of your life by your circumstance. Stop doing it. No, see, we came to this world separately. A great man of God said, and I think I posted it on the church WhatsApp group. If God does not help you, there's nothing any man can do. Say, let, 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 let me post it that I'm broke. Somebody will see it. We are all broke. Let me post it that I'm dying. Oh, you're not dead. You're not dead. Refrain from the heart of uploading the stars of your life and your faith or your journey by your circumstances. Circumstances are timed spectators. Hear this. Circumstances are what? They are timed spectators. They are, they, they, their objective is to either contribute or counteract your journey. That's their job. Have you been to a football match before in the stadium? As though as you have fans ailing their team is two things. The one on the other side is saying, no go, no go, no go, to discourage the person. The one on the other side is saying, go, go, score. Why? To encourage. That's what circumstances are there for. And you would always encounter that at every journey of your life. Something must either contribute to your journey or counteract your journey. Stop, 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 stop living life and say they must have sympathy on you. Who's sympathy here? How much can anybody give you to solve your problems? With the inflation rate of dollar? Give somebody a one million naira ten years ago. They will send you a love letter almost ten times in a day. Give somebody now one million naira. He will just send you a text. Thanks. That's the truth. That's the truth. Because to rent a one-bedroom apartment now should be like how much? One-bedroom apartment. Anybody has an idea? Huh? Almost 200 to 300. Plus security deposit. Plus agent fee. Caution fee. <laughs> you know the one that annoys me the most is that an agent is taking you to check a house. You will still pay. Inspection. What is that called? Inspection fee. Whether you like the house or you don't like the house. So imagine you visit 10 houses in a day. How much is inspection fee? 2,000. So 2,000 times 10, 20. Then you do not, you do not like the house. Oh, it's non-refundable. I pay you 2,000, you take me to your house, I better like it. I better like it. Because I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't, won't double pay. Give somebody a millionaire now. It's probably nothing. Go to a legendary day and say you just want to buy ready-made furniture. You spend close to 400. Full stuffs. Cutting. Don't even do rug. Just do carpet. Stove. Gas. The padlock. I hear padlock now is 2,000, 3,000. Just to lock door. 
you'll pay Nepa to help you come and connect the light. Before you know it, the entire one million is done. So the person that I gave it to you, just tell him, thanks, God bless. That's all you say. That's all you say. But 10 years ago, it was not so. Some people just be like, oh, he has enough to help me. You know, nobody has enough to help you. Nobody, mark that word, nobody has enough to help you. The only person that has more than enough to help you is who? It's God. It's God. Circumstances are time spectators. Empowered to either contribute or counteract your life journey. Life is best lived, celebrated, and emulated from the place of conviction. I've said it before in this house and I will say it again. If you are under the sound of my voice, if you don't understand what is called life, you will be miserable. If you don't understand what is called life, you'll be miserable. One place I know for sure you understand life is when you are six feet below. You understand it well there. So it's a privilege if you have anybody around you that can be teaching you about life. Hold on to them. That uncle that is always pouring out words of wisdom to you, but in your own mind, you're like, see the uncle that is even talking to me, his life does not look like it. Oga, hold on to that uncle. Hold on to that auntie. Hold on to that pastor. Hold on to it. Are we not tapping from the, from the books of Solomon? From the wisdom that Solomon shared with us? Are we not tapping from the victory statements of David? How many of you know that David went through several battles? David died on, bat on, the, bat on the battlefields of his life. He died on the battle of life to the point that his enemies were still alive. He had to tell his son. He said, Oga, now you are the king. You can free some people, but you see that guy there? I, I, I didn't have what it takes to kill him, but you must kill him for me. Solomon advised people on how to serve God, but he served many other gods. So somebody is talking to you and giving you some life tips. Telling you that this is how to live your Christian life. This is how to live your, 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 your journey in Christ. This is how to profess your faith. This is how to go about your life. Oh God, hold on to them. Like they say, which I'm beginning to believe that school of thought, good people don't last. Do you hear what I just said? Good people what? Last. There's a great woman of God that died in this nation. Many marriages are still thriving because of her salmon. Many marriages are still thriving today because of the sermon she preached way back to early 2000s. Say, I, 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 I want somebody who has made it to talk to me. <laughs> By default, the person who has even made it does not have the time to talk to me. Tell me how many billionaires we have in Nigeria that has written a book. Tell me, mention one billionaire in Nigeria. Show me the book Adenuga wrote. What does that tell you as a Nigerian? What does that tell you as a Christian? That everybody is just doing guess and error. Say, let's try it here. Let's try it here. Let's try it here. More than likely, their book will come out in their biography. So wait till they die and read it. Wait till they die and read it. Second richest man in Nigeria. Was a taxi driver. Did some Did ball business. He did bureau the change. Was changing dollar to naira, changing pounds to naira. You, you are not ready to go that route. 
You just want God to just call you one day, then Tinubu will call you from Asarok. Say, I hear you have a business idea. Come, let's sit there and give you a loan. It doesn't start like that. One conviction you should have about your life that should redefine your life so that many others can tap from it can be found in the book of Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Very popular scripture. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. What does it say? It says you are what? You are the light of the world. You are a town built on a hill. That cannot be what? Cannot be hidden. A town that cannot be hidden will go through many battles. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Live in an estate and let it be only you that has light. I can bet it is you. That night you will charge phones. You will charge rechargeable lamps. Growing up in this city at Ring Road with my parents, any day there is a power outage, there is no light, my mom will tell you, Emma, turn generator here. Mommy, there is no light, let's on the generator. Don't hunt that generator. It's now I know better. Let it be only you that has bow in your community. You will give out water. Either by force or behind your back. If it's by force, you even know that God has caught you. It is behind your back. It's even the more painful. When they pass beside you on the street and say, Sherry, at a consist bucket, think about that deal. And you will not know. We first his bucket. It wasn't there. You are a light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. You can't hide. Say, Pastor, I'm just hiding myself. I don't want anybody to know about me. You can't hide. You are a light. You can't hide. I will never take my marriage to the village. They know. The people in the village, they already know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to show Pastor in church that. Some money just dropped into my account. I will know. I will know. I don't know by faith, but when challenges hit you. There are some pastors I will advise that you never go and meet for counsel. Not that they are bad. But they start their counseling from knowing where your problem started from. And before you are done, even you yourself will know the cause of your problem. And you will stand up and say, Pastor, I know where the problem came from. Say, Pastor, I just noticed that things are down. My money is not going where. Money is not coming in. This is that. Pastor, I say, where do you work? Say, Pastor, I work for Shell. How much do you make a salary? Say, 500. Say, 500? 500? Every month? Say, yes, every month. But all of a sudden, they are holding on salary. It's not coming. It's not this. It's not that. Then Pastor is looking at, how long have you been in this church? Then Pastor, I've been here for five years. You should know me now. Five years. Pastor is calculating five years. 50K times 12 times five years. You, eh? Three million. Then you first call the accountant of the church. He said, What was the balance of the church last year? Ah, he said, Pastor, God was faithful, 16,200. Okay. What about two years ago? Ah, he said, Pastor, ah, I think it was the money that you paid last into the account because it was really, really bad. We had like four, five. He said, Brother, again, where do you work again? He said, Pastor, I work at Shell. Things are going bad. It's like God has turned his back on me. How much is your salary again? 500,000. Why you are saying it? You, you, you are the one that will stand up and say, hmm, pastor, I'll be back. 
They don't. They, they don't. I've encountered pastors like that. I've encountered it. Some are even nice. They tell you by the way you narrate your story. Even you yourself in the midst of it. In the midst of it. You are a light. Let me not forget. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Verse 15. Watch this. Watch this. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they do what? They put it on a stand. It gives light to what? Everyone. God. I don't want to change my sermon today. Listen. The light is not for you. Did you hear what I just said? The light is not what? It's not for you. It's for who? It's for everyone in the room. Everyone you come in contact with. Everyone that is your friend. Everyone that is your enemy. Your family members. But this is where a lot of Christians get it wrong. We want the light to shine on us. Have you heard the Yoruba says that a lamp cannot see the bottom of itself? So God has deposited so much in you, but you are going about defining your life by your circumstance. But this is what the word has defined you. You have to give light. Let somebody else sees you and hear what you are passing through and see that your disposition is different. Others are going through sorrowful moments, but you are joyful. Then they ask you, how are you doing this thing? Then the person is like, wow, John can be joyful in the midst of this. Why am I here? Why am I here? Am I talking to somebody? I just knew I was going to talk about him in today's service. I just knew I was going to talk about him. I just knew it. You can't lose your first wife. Lose a second wife. And the following year, you lose your twin sister. It's like you're finished. It's like what? You're finished. I was controlling myself not to post so much about him so that it doesn't be like I'm pushing uh, somebody who is dead or anything. Can I beg you as a church person this morning? Some of you might need to go back. Watch two or three sermons of that great man of God. If your life does not change, you are not a Christian. All that man's life has been facing battles. He will still come boldly to his church. My wife was showing me the video. How he came to narrate to his church. How he lost his second wife. Who has such a mind? Who has such a mind? Then you, what did you lose? iPhone. What did you lose? The person that was to pay your husband died. What did you lose? They didn't give you the visa. What did you lose? Fire caught your house. I'm talking about life. I had to say to my wife, I said... His two wives in loss could have been a very heat shock to him. I said, but at least God should have even spared the twin sister. And said, okay, you have your twin sister. You can still be remembering childhood. See, the most painful thing about one is to be reflecting on your journey and see where you are standing. And there are two, two opposite parts. Two opposite parts. I'm telling you the truth. For you to maintain a stand, it means there's something you believe. You grew up with somebody for 50-something, 60-something. I think they said little later 65. You grew up with somebody for 65 years of your life. Now the person is no more. You will first be dreaming. Every night you'll be dreaming of. Do you know how long 65 years is? Some people will lose their twin at a very early age. If you ask them, are you a twin? They say, no. Why? Because the twin they lost was very, at a very, this is so irrelevant. 65 years. Church, please wake up. 
wake up. Stop looking for sympathy. Stop looking for sympathy. Say they did not come and greet me. They heard I lost something. They did not come and greet me. Do you know how many things we have lost? Did you come to greet us? Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the room. Now, verse 16. Verse 16. Verse 16. In that same way, what did he say? Let your light shine before what? Did he say before yourself? Let it shine before others. That they may do what? They may see your good deeds. So you keep doing good. Keep maintaining your belief. Keep maintaining your conviction. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Maintain that. Let people keep seeing it. And what will they do? They will glorify your Father who is in heaven. People cannot give God the glory over your life and your life will remain stagnant. Godly con convictions recreate a person's personality. It determines your reputation. It heals your mind. It guides you into making life-changing decisions just in case you'll be making any other decisions with your life. It guards you from distraction. And negative influence. It enables you to be role models, a godly conviction. It helps you to stand out and to stand firm. It gives you the courage to persevere. We are all going through a lot, but you must maintain a what? A standpoint. If I announce in this church that people should come to church by the problems that they are facing, I can bet it with you. You would not want to sit next to the person you are sitting next to. Say, wear your problems and come to church next Sunday. You will take off. Even husband and wives that have been living together, they will not want to sit beside each other and say, ah, so you are battling through this? Say, yes. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Godly con convictions, it enables you to resist temptation. So you are not discouraged. And it creates opportunities for your light. To be reflective. Hear what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8 verse 10 to 12. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 to 12. See what Nehemiah said. See what Nehemiah said. And this is my charge to you this morning. See what Nehemiah chapter, chapter 8. Chapter 8 verse 10 to 11. Let's see what that says. See what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy your choice food. After service, I beg you. Whatever you have. 1,000 era. There's a yadija. There's a yaduni. Go and enjoy your what? Your choice food. Pastor, what I have can afford Gary and Eba. Enjoy your Gary and Eba. Go and enjoy your choice food. With what? Sweet drinks. Not alcohol. Sweet drinks. It must be sweet. Not Agbo. Not, not a pastor. I don't I do JD. No. Sweet drinks. Send some to those who have prepared nothing. So call your friends. Say, what are you eating over there? Say, ah, there's no food. I'm enjoying Gary and Eba. Do you want some? Say yes. Yeah. Send to them. It says, this day is holy. To what? What did he say next? Do not what? Grieve. Stop the complaint. Stop the attitude. Stop the sympathy. Stop to, let me post it on my status where people know that life is hard. Life is not hard. It's not hard. Ah, pastor, my business is not moving. Your business is moving. The only reason why you say it's not moving is that you are determining the moving of the business by the numbers of customers that come. Now, let me shock you. One customer can buy the entire shop. One customer can buy the entire shop. But you think that once 20 come in a day is a good sales. One person can make a good sales. 
One person. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord. It's your word. Oh, place your right hand on your chest and shout that word loud again. Say the joy of the Lord is your strength. You lost a car. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You lost a child. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You lost your job. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You lost properties. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Grievance is a clear sign that you don't have any strength. Did you hear what I just said? Grievance is what? It's a clear sign that you don't have strength. And when the strength of man fails, there is nothing that man can do. But when the joy of the Lord is your strength, can you fail? <laughs> Psalm 30 verse 5. Psalm 30 verse 5. I'm closing with this scripture so that somebody's faith needs to be, to be boosted high. Like you just resubscribed your, 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 your data faith. Psalm 30 verse 5. It says this, anger lasts only a moment. So even if God wants to punish you for something you did wrong, it's for what? Just a moment. Just a few days, few weeks. Maybe just that day. He said, but his favor is what? Shout that word loud. His favor is what? Last for a lifetime. He says, weeping. Uh, can we stand up and quote that scripture? Quote that scripture. I want you to stand. I want somebody's faith to rise up. I want somebody's faith to rise up. For his anger lasts only for what? I want to see your life. But his favor lasts for what? Read that line. Let's go. Weeping may what? But what comes in the morning? If you are still weeping, you are in your nice season. If you are still weeping, you are closing the chapter of your life. Let's remain standing. Weeping is a clear sign that you are in your night season. And I'm not talking about old age or young age. Pastor, I just like to weep. You are in your night season. You are closing the chapter. Philippians 4 verse 4 to 5. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Because the Lord is near. Why did he encourage you with that? Because sadness and anger is a clear sign that your God is far from you. But if you know your God is near, what do you do? Rejoice. Somebody shout rejoice. Somebody shout rejoice. The joy of the Lord is a treasured light. The joy of the Lord is a priceless commodity. Something is wrong when people can put a price tag on your light. Something is wrong when people can limit the extension of your light. Contagious joy in all that I've said to you. Which I'll continue next Sunday. Contagious joy is when your little light can light up the room. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast, and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. 
kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you. Thank you.